You are listening to the sermon podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. Kathy and I are, be, are glad to be with you today, and um, we have this little thing that we do after supper uh, when we remember. I don't want to pretend like we remember every week. No, that would be legalistic. But after supper, typically, uh, we read a little bit of a devotional. Right now, we're going through one by Larry Parsley that Pastor Jay suggested on a leisurely stroll through a short gospel. So go figure, we've been having devotions around the gospel of Mark. And uh, following our little devotional time, we ask each other two questions. Did you have a Kairos moment today? And how can I pray for you? Now a Kairos moment, the Greek word Kairos means a significant moment in time. And, and there, are, there are lots of, uh, there's a lot of time in a day. We think of that in a chrono sense, you know, tick, 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 tick. But every once in a while, there'll be a moment in time that's significant. And, and uh, that's, you. for example, in, in the Bible, it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. That was a really significant time when God is up to something and you want to be attentive to that. So uh, we've learned to do that. We learned to do this about eight or ten years ago on a leadership retreat that was kind of a mountaintop experience for us. We got sent away uh, to California, which was a nice place to be sent away to, and we were on the coastline near a little fishing village called Morro Bay, and we had time to just retreat. It was, actually was a retreat that we didn't come home tired from. We got to retreat, and we got to learn uh, from some others about um, about. Uh, being attentive to, to what God is, is saying to us through his word and through life, and then being responsive to what God is saying to us uh, in, in his interaction with us. So it was the end of the retreat, and Kathy and I had uh, each been a part of a different small group. And, and Kathy discussed kind of what we were learning with, with, her, with the gals in her group, and, and I was doing that with, with uh, Pastor Bob and the guys in, in our group. And so Pastor Bob said, so during the time that we've been together here at Morro Bay, um, has God been impressing on you anything? Do you think you were here for a reason? And uh, we all kind of shared, and it was my turn. And I said, yeah, I am sensing that Kathy and I, although we both have our time with God, and, we're, and, and that's important to us, that we probably need to step into something where we're, where we're sharing our life with God, where, we're, um, where we're, we're kind of following God, not side by side as much as together. That's kind of what I think we should do. And, and he said, well, that's good. So, if that's, so what, how are you going to do that? I said, oh, okay. Well, so I suggested reading God's word, asking each other a couple questions. And I said, and he said, good. He said, why don't you call me in two weeks and tell me how that's going? And I thought, oh, great, accountability. Don't you guys love accountability? But it was good. I I knew that I had to email Pastor uh, uh, Bob and, and let him know. And by the way, I looked forward to emailing him later. Kathy came out of her session, and we met out um, in, the, in uh, the area there. I said, hey, Kath, so how'd it go? She said, good. I said, so did you have a Kairos you shared with, with uh, the people? She said, yeah, I did. 
you know, I told them that although Jeff and I each have a devotional life, that it might be good if we found a way to share what God was doing in our lives together. And I looked at her and I said, really? That's interesting. And so that began this this kind of pattern in our lives that it's been a blessing. Just after supper, having a, it has to be brief or you won't do it, a brief devotional, and then two simple questions. Um, Did you have a Kairos today? Might be in your in, in our devotions, it might be in a conversation we had. It might have really shook at us that we reacted to someone that day in a way that was really kind of didn't feel good. Like, why did I react that way? And so you kind of process it with God. And anyway, so we, we say, did you have a Kairos moment? And then we share that. And then uh, um, we ask, well, how can I pray for you? And so we pray about those things and we pray for our kids and so, and so on. Well, if you're going to ask me, Jeff, did you have a Kairos moment this week? I sure did. On a Monday, uh, we came home from work both of us, and I would jump down our exercise bike before supper. This is kind of a pattern a lot of times. And I was having a, a good workout, and all of a sudden it wasn't such a good workout because I started feeling funny. I mean, like weird, like weirder than normal. And, and uh, I thought, what is going on? So I slowed down a little bit, and then I thought, huh, that was interesting. And I finished, and I went upstairs, and Kathy was still doing her thing, so I started supper, I got the salmon out, and then I put the salmon down and I went and sat down. And I said, Kathy, something's going on. I don't feel myself. I feel confused. She said, really? She said, uh, so what are the names of, uh, or what are the dates of our kid's birthday? And I got three out of four right. <laughs> and I always get Joe's wrong anyway. So I wasn't so worried about that. But then I said, but you know what? I can't tell you who the quarterback of the Vikings is today. She said, what? Yeah, I can't tell you who the coach is. I mean, I mean I'm like in this really goofy space. She says, okay. So she called our daughter, who's a nurse, and said, dad's acting weird. Um, can, what should we do? And, and, and our nurse daughter says, well, you know, you should probably just go into the emergency room and have it checked out. So he did. And to make a long story short, how many of you have been in an MRI? I don't ever want to go in an MRI again. It's loud, it's small, and that's just not what I was thinking I wanted to do. But I did. And here's, this was kind of weird, because um, I'm typically a very anxious person. You can ask her. But as I was going into that thing, I closed my eyes and I went in. And I kind of had this time with God in the MRI. I thought about friends who went into one of these times and when they came out and they got the news from the, from the doctor, it wasn't good news. And I kind of wondered, is that what I'm going to hear? And, and so on and so forth. So, um, so I, after those 15 minutes, I was really grateful because I said, you know, God, you said don't be anxious about anything but, and you'll give us peace that passes understanding, guarding our heart and mind. And I kind of experienced that. But I also had kind of a, a moment in that time that was kind of significant for me. We all kind of frame our lives with certain, well, well, just with certain perspectives that are important for us. For me, this is one of them. This world is beautiful. This is a beautiful world, but it is also broken. And only Jesus can ultimately fix it, okay? That's kind of, but in, because of that moment on Monday, like, what did you learn? I would say, I learned to add something to that. This world is beautiful, but it's broken. And this life is beautiful. 
but it's brief. It's brief. And, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to say this at the first service, my bad. It was my blood pressure, okay? I'm fine. If I take my medicine, I'm fine, okay? But I'm grateful for that moment to learn something like that, 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 that you know, it kind of brought life into clarity. The world is beautiful, but it's broken. Only Jesus can make it right again. And this life we're living, it's beautiful and sometimes broken, often broken, but it's also brief. And only Jesus can do what Jesus does to change that. So I don't need to fear about death having the last word in my life. When we have these kind of moments when we feel like we kind of, God just wanted to, in his grace and kindness, show us something or teach us something, we might call that a mountaintop experience. Well, today we are going to look like, we're going to look at the mountaintop experience of just about all mountaintop experiences. This is just like an amazing part in God's word. It's found in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. Uh, Last uh, Sunday, Pastor Jay um, reminded us that as we've been walking through Mark, and I hope you're enjoying it, I ran into somebody from, one of our friends here from Triumph at uh, kindergarten first grade basketball, which was so intense, it was awesome. Um, but, they, but they said on the way in, you know what, I'm really loving going through Mark. We get to just kind of not hurry, we get to go through Mark. And she said, and she said I'm loving it. Well, I've been loving it too. And I loved how Pastor Jay, Jay framed this last week. Up until this point, and, and, and you remember from fall and, and, and really up until um, the end of the year, we were talking about this question, like, who is this? Like, Jesus was revealing who he was as the Messiah King. And people were beginning to understand, whoa, this is like no other person. Could this be the Messiah King? And so, we, so last week, Pastor Jay brought us to kind of the hinge of this, uh, of, at this point, in the, gospel, in the Gospel of Mark, where he has this conversation with his closest friends, his disciples, and said, who do people say that I am? And they gave all kinds of opinions that people had about Jesus. But then he asked the most important question, of course, that any of us ever face and answer. He said, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Did somebody say Jesus in the back? Anyway. Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah King. Jesus said, you know what, Peter? You didn't figure that out by yourself. Or nobody kind of talked you into that. God revealed that to you. God revealed that to you. And then he went on, and this was the hard part. They, not, they now had a sense of great anticipation of that they were in the presence of the Messiah King, but he began to talk about now what he would do as the Messiah King. And it made them really uncomfortable. We see three times in Mark chapter eight, we see it in Mark chapter nine, and in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, now I am going to go to Jerusalem. I am going to be abused. I'm going to suffer. I am going to die. And three days later, I'm gonna rise from the dead. And they were like, what is he talking about? He's the Messiah King. We have a sense of what he's going to do. And it's not that. (laughs) It's not that. So right now there's a dissonance in their walking with Jesus. And it's getting a little 
less fun, so to speak. And it's getting a little harder. It's starting to feel a little darker. Well, we're going to fast forward six days after that conversation. And this is going to be, I think, just amazing. I think we're going to find ourselves going, wow, if I could have been there. Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 2. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to him, Rabbi, it is good that we're here. Let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them not to to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how was it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased as it was written of him. Wow, now there's mountaintop experience. Six days later, as they were wrestling with these words of Jesus, these are the guys that Jesus had said, follow me, and they did. And it was amazing. But now it was getting hard. Kind of like the question, does he know where he's going? (laughs) Does he know where he's going? I wonder if some of them were thinking, you know, when we get to the next exit, you want to slow down the van? I think I'm getting out. Actually, That's what Judas was thinking. He was thinking of getting out. But the other 11 would stay. And there were three of them that would have a crucial role in the the work going forward. And God in his mercy, as things are getting darker, as things are getting more tense, gives uh, Jesus' disciples a glimpse of his glory So uh, what was going on here is things were getting darker is they get this, this this isn't a vision. This isn't kind of like a dream. This is a look behind the veil or should I say the reality behind the veil. By the way, we live with two realities, right? We live with what we can see by sight and we live with what we can see by faith because we can't see it by sight Well, they got to see with their eyes what they normally would just see by faith. And that was the reality that's real this morning about what's going on on the other side of the veil is God's big stories unfolding. And and so from that part of reality, they were blessed with an awareness of, of, uh, of, of Jesus in his natural glorified sense his relationship to what God had revealed before in Elijah. And then the very word of God concerning his son. 
This is amazing. Both Moses and Elijah had had their own mountaintop experiences in their lives. Moses happened on Mount Sinai as he was invited up by God and, and met with God. And God gave him the law, the gift to his people. This is how you guys can live with me and live with each other. And as Moses came down from the mountain, they were afraid of him because his face was glowing. That was kind of different. His face was glowing. And so he had to cover his face with a veil because they were afraid so he could talk to them. Moses wasn't radiating glory. Moses was reflecting glory. There had to be another source of light. He had been in the presence of God. Kind of like when you give your kids, grandkids, glow-in-the-dark pajamas for Christmas. Right? You take them out of the box, and there's nothing there, but when they sit in the light for a while, they soak up light. <laughs> and after a while, you think, I wonder if there's enough time, so they go into the bedroom and turn off the light, and woo, they glow. Glow-in-the-dark dinosaurs all over. <laughs> Glowing, they're reflecting that they've been in, in the presence of light. Jesus, however, was radiating light. There's something about, the, about, about God, because whenever we kind of run into God himself, there's a sense of light. So they didn't have to wonder what this means. They knew what this means. As Jesus radiated light. And this was amazing. The one who had given the law was talking with Jesus. Elijah, who was the one to send to prepare the way for the Messiah King, was talking to Jesus. What were they talking about? Wouldn't you love to know? Well, Luke tells us what they were talking about. They were talking about his soon coming departure. They were talking about this plan that only God, only God can bring wholeness and make new a broken world. Only God can take away the, the, the fear of death and give us a sense that you think there should be more to this life than these few short years. You're absolutely right. But only God can do something to change it so that you can experience it and know it'll be your future. They were talking about this. And then, then, there was the Shekinah cloud of glory that settled on the mountain. And this wasn't a dream, it was happening. And that same voice that had spoken basically the same words when Jesus began his ministry, after his baptism, we're told that the heavens opened up. And God said, this is my son. With him I am well pleased. Now we hear, this is my beloved son. I love this guy. <laughs> Listen to him. Listen to him. And then, poof, they looked around and it was Jesus only that was left. Jesus only. But they would never see Jesus in the same way again. God had affirmed his son in their presence. And you know what? That would not make all their questions go away. They would go down the mountain saying, what does he mean by rising from the dead? They would have questions right up until the time he rose from the dead. But when they didn't understand, at least they knew who Jesus was with enough confidence 
that they listened to him and trusted him. Maybe you're in one of those places right now. You totally don't get all that's going on right now. This is not what you thought following Jesus would be like. But you're trusting him. Because God has given you the sense that of all the things in the world, as Isaac began the service, with, as we sang um, that song about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that was a great song. Didn't it make you wish you were Irish? I love that song. He was the son of God. God has come to interact. God has come to interact with us, and that's how he chose to do it. They got to see a glimpse of Jesus' glory. And this is going to be amazing because the glorious son of God had an inglorious future ahead of him for us. A future that would be inglorious. It would be shameful. It would be hard to watch. It would be despised. He wouldn't be standing with heroes of the faith. He would be hanging between two criminals. That was God's plan. Jesus knew that was God's plan. And the Father blessed him. You guys got to understand that, that, that this went forward not just because God loves us, which he does, but Jesus and the Father had this relationship where they absolutely trusted one another. John would later tell us that when we love one another, God is in us and with us because God is love. This is a beautiful moment. We see his relationship to the past covenant with Moses and Elijah, but we see his relationship with the Father. And they love each other. And so he's going to go to the cross because God so loved the world. You that he gave his one and only son. And they both agreed that, this would, that they would do this. The father would feel the heartbreak of seeing his son die so we could enjoy the blessing of knowing our sins are forgiven. Wow. And Jesus would trust his father to the end. So today we are couple thousand years down the road but those guys never forgot that night it shaped the way they talked to us about Jesus John said the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth And it is words like that from the eyewitnesses of Jesus that give us a sense of knowing what happened. And the Holy Spirit takes that and makes it personal for us. Peter said in in 2 Peter chapter 1, we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the Father... The voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 
And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Father, we thank you for allowing us to eavesdrop, to look from our perspective at that mountaintop experience as the glory of Jesus was revealed as he was on his way to what seemed to be a very inglorious end. We thank you that he did what you asked him to do and it has done to both brokenness and death what you wanted to do. We thank you today that we can know that we're forgiven and we thank you today that we can know that this life is not all there is, that there's more. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name, amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I, I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or, or streaming this content today. We try and pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you, and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org slash events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.